Yes, indeed. What's going on, y'all? It's your main man, Big Wayne, with the episode of Call the High Seat. Come on in. The water's just fine. I got a special co-host this time, y'all. Special co-host of the spot, the, the, the Sports Wave, uh, a member of the Sports Wave with the Wavelength Podcast is coming up. He doing big things over there. Stephen, what's going on, big dog? Uh, not a lot, Mr. Diesel. I appreciate the invitation. We are going to talk about the New York Knicks today in what was just a captivating season. And I'm glad that I can share my joy and that would ultimately ended up to be pain with you. Yeah, man. So we, we got to have some, well, I like to call it therapy. So the rest of y'all just deal with it. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We need therapy. It ain't, you know, if we don't live in New York, do you, you don't live in New York. I live in New Jersey. He so lives in, like, oh, you live in Jersey. Okay. Well, all of us don't live, you know, close to New York. So some of us need some therapy. What part of New Jersey, my ex? Uh, northern part. I'm like, I'm close to New York State. That's like the best. I'm by like a bunch of lakes and stuff. That's really the best way I can put it. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about it because I don't get to talk about the Knicks enough on this show. But uh, how do you feel about the Knicks today? As of today, how do you feel about the Knicks? As of today, uh, Coach Thibs won an award, Coach of the Year. Yep. No surprise there. Julius Randle received an award, so they took two of the major ones. So from and D Rose was a, a finalist, six man of the year. He he was a finalist. Yeah, if if he was on the team any longer, I th- think he would have had a serious case because when he came in, you know, whole different team. But we'll probably get into that later. But right, uh, right. you know, it's nice getting some recognition from the national basketball media, and it's not just us local people, you know, kind of trying to speak it into existence. So it's nice to get the recognition, but, you know, I still have a strong, strong, permanent disdain for Trey Young. So <laughs> so say, say just for sake of conversation, the Knicks do good next year. Whatever the team is, we go to the playoffs next year and we end up with Atlanta again and we end up beating them in like, say, six games. Would, would you still have that disdain for Trey Young or would all be forgiven? As long as Trey Young is on a basketball court playing, shooting, being as ridiculous as he is, I'm not going to like the dude. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So I have my own personal Knicks Christmas list. By Christmas list, I mean free agents. I know it's going to be before Christmas. Just, you know, your little fantasy roster of the Knicks. That's realistic. Who would you Who would you like to see on this Knicks team? Like, give me your starting five you would like to see. And if there's a and if there's somebody that's not on the team, explain how you would like to see us get it. Uh, well, see, Wayne, as you know, realistic in the Knicks, it's it's very skewed because for some reason fans of the organization just think very highly of front office's ability to acquire talent for whatever reason, be it New York, the Garden, they just want their team to succeed. So you see the pictures of like Damian Lillard and Kawhi joining and you're just like, wow, that'd be really cool, but it probably wouldn't happen. Now, one of them, I realistically could see like 
Los Angeles is so weird, and they've barely squeaked past Dallas two years in a row now. So Kawhi, could he want a new challenge going back to the East where he obviously, you know, won a title his first and only season in the East? But then, you know, how much money do the Knicks need to give him? And then they'll have to they'll have to sign RJ soon. Randall will be after next season. Mitchell Robinson's coming up. So, you know, it's how much money do you want to spend on that? But if they were able to get a Kawhi type, it it would be incredible. It, he, I would love to see Kawhi in Fibs for, well, I mean, Kawhi sits out a lot. So, like, 60 games a year would, yeah. just, would just be incredible. But then Damian Lillard, I don't know, I – Everyone talks about the Knicks having these pieces and whatnot to trade it for, but I don't think Portland would be interested in like Kevin Knox and Neil Aquina, really. So I don't think he would happen. But I would really like I would like Bullock to come back. What? Oh, okay, okay, so okay, I feel you. I Derek Rose. I I did today. I I got to do a little. Uh, self-promo here, I apologize. I did have the opportunity to speak with Bill Pito of, you know, Knicks game night, and that's going to be releasing on Wednesday. Uh, Wavelengths, you know, no big deal. But uh, he agreed. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll pay you big big (laughs) things. Go for it. He agreed. Derek Rose coming back to this team is an absolute must. If, you know, if Kawhi is one, Derek Rose coming back is 1B because what he brought to this team – and being through thick and thin with Thibs, it just needs to be back. And he's right. a great veteran presence and just remarkable off the bench, you know? Right. I absolutely – a thousand percent agree with you. He, he has to be. And he, what's, he has to be. And what's annoying with him is people are like, oh, you know, he's almost the old D-Rose. It's like, no, he's not the old D-Rose. He's the right now Derek Rose, and that is still a – incredible basketball player and the things that he's been through in the way that, you know, New York and the fans have embraced him when he came, you know, during the KP and mellow era. And now it just, it's all love for Derek Rose and he deserves, you know, whoever, whoever gets him is getting a really great guy. And it just, I really want it to be, you know, the New York Knicks. I feel it. So check me out. Here's here's my my fantasy starting lineup, and it, and I think it could happen. Okay, so and I'll explain I'll explain it all. So my point guard, well I'm with you. First of all, six man D Rose. I for all the reasons you said that that has to happen. That that has to happen. Need to happen. D Rose wanted to happen. I don't see. I don't. I don't see how that doesn't happen. So I'm with you on six man. Now let's get to the starting five. Starting five, I got Lonzo Ball as the point guard. Now, check me out right here. Shooting guard, I got DeMar DeRozan. Small forward, I got Kelly Oubre Jr. Power forward, I I still got Julius Randle. Center, Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if you if you notice, I did not mention R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because 
I think Cat can be had. Damian Lillard, I, I think that's a pipe dream. I don't think we can get that. Kawhi would be cool, but I'd have to see it to believe it. But Kelly Oubre is available out there, and there's mutual interest. Interest. We can get him. We can get a Kelly Oubre. We can get a DeMar DeRozan because, you know, we got like a trillion dollars in cap space. We can do that. Now, Carl, the right, because I'm convinced with what, based on what I've seen with Minnesota, they don't know what the hell they're doing or what's going on. So you make a trade for R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, both the young and the first-round draft pick, whether it be our pick or Dallas' pick, because, you know, we got two first-round picks this year. So you give them a first-round pick, whichever one they want, R.J. and Mitchell Robinson for Carl Anthony Towns. I don't see how they do that. I don't see how you, you don't do that because, look, you get an R.J. Barrett and you get a Mitchell Robinson and you get a pick. So that gives them two picks in the first round, Minnesota. And they, I guess they're trying to rebuild. Again, I don't know what they're trying to do. And I think that move could be made. I think that move could be made. If I'm Minnesota, I would do that. And if I'm New York, I would do that. And I like R.J. and Mitchell a lot. But that's I think that's a move that at least should be thought about. And so as far as DeMar DeRozan, he's an unrestricted free agent, so we just pay him. And Lonzo, you know, the highest bidder, restricted free agent, because the Pelicans, they got they got, they got Zion coming up. They, obviously, you're going to pay him. And they paying uh, Brandon Ingram. So you can't pay everybody. You know, for cap reasons, you can't pay everybody. And I just don't think they would pay the money, Lonzo, that we would. So that that's the team I got. What you think about that? Uh, I I think a lot of things of it. <laughs> so okay, I'm trying to picture it. I see Lonzo just passing constantly. I see Demar Derozan not panning out. I see Kelly. Okay, Kelly Oubre would get the Julius Randle 2019-2020 treatment. <laughs> in Carl Anthony Towns, I just I just see Andrea Bargnani. I just see him taking the ball up and then shooting from the top of the key and missing time and time and time again. Like on on paper, I don't. I would I would think a lot of people would like the Knicks, similar to you know Derrick Rose, Carmelo, KP, similarly to that team when they got a lot of bets placed on them to win the NBA Finals, but. People I, thought the team was going to win a championship. Did they? Did people really? Was that a real thing? Oh yeah, when that when that team was constructed, they got a lot of buzz in Vegas to win the whole thing. I don't I mean, know why. I liked it too, and you know that's the squad. But you know, Jeff Hornacek and that triangle—they were killing us. I, unrelated, but like, I feel bad for Jeff Hornacek. Like, he, he's a he's a great dude, but like, he got a real short end of the stick because like Phil was still mad that uh, Derek Fisher didn't work out. I, I wish Hornacek worked out, but I, you know, I love Fibs, so it greener pastures, I guess. Mm. I understand. But uh, your your dream team, I I don't I I would see it as like a step back almost. I don't think it would work out. A step out. back. I mean, obviously, the way th- this team wouldn't the incredible run was probably for only one year, and they do need a real point guard and more shooting and a bona fide star almost but that team i don't i don't know i just don't see it working out for some reason when i think of it you know at i first, absolutely at first i absolutely listen. see it working out 
because, you know, as we've seen with Blake Griffin and the net, sometimes all you need is just to change the scenery. Sometimes that's, that's all you need. And I still think Carl Anthony Towns could be like a top five big man. You know, like a, you know, like I ain't saying he ain't obviously ain't better than Joker or Embiid, but I feel like five at five, I feel like he could be right there. I so, I could see. I think Carl Anthony Towns gets moved this off season, which kind of stinks for D'Angelo Russell because then again he'll be in a rebuilding type situation, and then ultimately he'll get moved too. But I I don't know if I mean. When you if the news were to break and you get the ESPN notification, you know Carl Anthony Towns to the New York Knicks, I just think that they would overpay him, and then it wouldn't work out the way that we would hope. It's it's gonna work out because number one, you know the Knicks have been needing a point guard since what Charlie Ward. <laughs> well, no, let me stop because Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups they were they were all right for the time we had them. So they were fine. So let me stop. But we've needed a point guard for a while. For a while. Lonzo solves all that immediately. Immediately. And he's long and he's a defender. And the ball's going to move. All right. Actually, I, you, because you want Lonzo, Dennis Schroeder on this team, I, you know, he kind of got a lot of flack for his lack of playoff game ability, but Dennis Schroeder on this team, I think, would do very well. That's a guy I would want if we're going out and signing a free agent point guard. I would rather have Lonzo. I, I would I would rather have Lonzo. And then got- DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is pretty much an upgraded R.J. Barrett. That's all he is on steroids. Yeah, but I think, I think R.J., his ceiling is much higher than DeRozan's peak. I mean, DeRozan's peak was getting to the Eastern Finals. Yeah, but that Kyle Lowry was better than him, and DeMar DeRozan was supposed to, you know, take over uh, San Antonio and never has. They've never made any noise in the playoffs since he's been there, and now DeJounte Murray's better than him. I mean, he's still averaging 20, 21, 22, something like that. Anybody can, like, RJ averaged, like, what? Uh, 17. No. Yeah, like 17. So that was a bad example. But, like, it, I mean, I don't. And granted, point, RJ's only in year two. He's only in year two. Points per game is such a, like, I don't want to say watered down stat, but it, so many people, like, okay, if you play on the Golden State Warriors, for example, let's say you're Steph Curry and when they have Clay out there. There's going to be somebody open nine times out of ten because there's so much attention given to your best player, and in the Warriors' case, uh, Steph and Clay, two of the best shooters we've ever seen. So there's always somebody going to be open, and somebody has to hit shots. So like when players, when teams have like three players that average 15 or more, it doesn't really mean that much because if you look at like the talent uh, differential. You know, it's like star, almost star, and then it's like really, you know, a good player, but also could be a rotational piece if they were on a different situation. And you're right, but his role, his role in with us, if again, that's what my fantasy little team with Carl, because Carl Anthony Towns is the best player on this team on my fantasy team. And then you're looking at uh, DeMar as more like a number two. And then you still got Julius Randle. So, I mean, you can't guard everybody. 
You know what I mean? I think all these people individually, you know, they're just kind of however you feel about them. They're, you know, they're just nice guys. But all of them together with Zoe driving the car, I like that. I, I like that a lot. I I like that because, you know, he's going to get everybody, you know, the best shot they can. We got an inside presence. You got D Rose with, you know, veteran leadership. You know what I mean? Kind of teaching them ropes and everything. You got Taj Gibson. You got Kenny Payne, who coached Carl Anthony Towns in, in Kentucky. And he loves him some he loves him some Kenny Payne. Car well, all Kentucky people love Kenny Payne. That's just everybody. So we got that too now. That's big. And I think Kenny Payne had a lot to do with Julius Randle. I don't think that's an accident that as soon as Kenny Payne showed up in New York, all of a sudden Julius Randle is most improved player. I don't think that's an accident. I think he knows something about Julius that others don't because, you know, he's been looking at him since he was, you know, forever, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's my – I'm not saying that'll happen, but that's just my fantasy team. Lonzo Ball, Big Baller brand, DeMar DeRozan, that team – I, I like that team. I need to see it happen. I'd be high on that team. I'm talking about high on that team. High. But anyway, but another team that needs some rebuilding, that needs some stuff done to it, the Boston Celtics. What the hell would you do with this? And I, and I told everybody, but everybody thought I was crazy. that I said this Boston team needs work. Wholesale changes need to be made. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's saying changes need to be made. And I tried to tell them I told you so, but, hey, you know, they don't listen to me. They just think I just be talking crazy. So what would you do with this Boston roster? I won't be able to explain this as elegantly as X and Deontay did on the exam podcast about a week ago. But it's Boston's so interesting because, like, every year – with them, it's like, oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. You know, blah, 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 curtailed our season. That's why we didn't go farther. This team had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and still couldn't beat just LeBron James. So they get rid of Kyrie Irving, replace him with Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker can't play more than, like, four games in a row. Jason Tatum, <laughs> Jason Tatum, I, I'll give him credit. I've said it before, but, like, he is that dude. He is absolutely a superstar in this league. Yes. Like when that cover came out um, of him going into his second year and it was like Jason Tatum, you know, next superstar and everybody laughed at it. it they were all wrong. He is, he has that killer instinct and is going to be, you know, the next Boston great. Jalen Brown wouldn't have really played or I, I let me rephrase. He wouldn't have put Boston over the hump against Boston uh this playoffs. But it, they're just so weird cuz they're tied down to Kemba for another couple years. They they don't have a real center. I would like them to get if they got like DeMar DeRozan, I would like that a lot for them cuz they need another three-point shooter who isn't Evan Fournier. And you going to give them DeMar DeRozan? I've just hypothetical. You brought up Demar Derozan, so you know I figured while it was topical. As know. a scorer, I mean Demar. I like Demar. I'm a huge. Demar, I like Demar Derozan. I like him a lot. But he's but... not a first option anymore. He wouldn't yeah. be. He wouldn't be a first option in Boston. So I think that would be perfect for him. Yeah, but he's not a three point shoot mid range and sli- he's not really a, a three point. I like him as a scorer, but as a shooter, 
I'm not even saying I dislike him on. I'm not even saying I disagree with you because I, I I like you know because I mean I I like Demar Derozan. I think I think he could work, but as a, a three point shooter. Okay, so I, you know, I got his roles a little mixed up, but in open situations, like I said before, Jason Tatum's gonna get covered by the best defender and double covered and they're going to look out for Jalen Brown. DeMar DeRozan, more times than not, will be open. And if he can just hit, like, if you hit four out of ten threes in the NBA, you're considered, like, an elite three-point shooter. And I think DeMar DeRozan is very capable of that. Stephanie, DeMar DeRozan is shooting 25% from the three-point. Three yeah, but that's because he's the number two option. And at times, he was treated as the number one option. If you're on a team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you're not going to be taken as seriously. So, so hold on. You want you like you like a team with Demar, Jalen, and Jason, all three of them together. Yeah, Demar Derozan can't lead a team anymore, and Jason Tatum's coming into his prime. Oh, I don't disagree with that. I I, I don't disagree. But see, I think I don't think Jalen Brown and Jason can play together. I I don't, and I've kind of been on that at least as far as at least the past couple months. I don't think you can win with with them together. Because they kind of do the same thing. Not at this point, they do. Because Jalen Brown is kind of taking a, a step. Because first, he was just kind of like a tough, you know, defender guy. Now he's kind of turned into like a, you know, what Victor Oladipo wants to be. But and as a result, they're both shot creators now. And I don't think both of them two together. It's, it almost reminds me of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, I mean, they're pretty much the same guy. Now, I, I got the Clippers going to the finals. I don't got them winning it, but, uh, you know, they're kind of the same guy. And I don't think you can win with that with Boston. And I would say Kimba, and, but I don't think – and then you got Kimba too, so that's three shot creators. You, they're not really creating for anybody else. They're just kind of creating for themselves. Nobody really makes anybody's job easy. There's a lot of ISO going on. And so, but you got to move one of the three, and I'm with you. You can't, you don't move Jason Tatum. I, I let people tell it they can move that Kimba contract. I don't believe it. So, but so the only one left by default is Jalen Brown. People talk about Marcus Smart. I would hold on to Marcus Smart. I, I would hold on to him. And what you would get back for Jalen Brown, and I'm not saying Jalen Brown's a scrub or trash or nothing, but just he's so valuable, you can get back a lot. So what you would get back for a Jalen Brown would change how Boston looks overnight. And depending on what you get for him, you know, that, that matters too. But, you know, because the ball is going to move more. You, you take – and we saw that with Boston. We saw that with, with Boston and Brooklyn this series. Now, they weren't going to beat Brooklyn, but the ball moves more. And Jalen Brown, he didn't have to – okay, well, I don't have to worry about Jalen Brown – you know, this is this is my team. I can take us there. I got us. That I think that's Jalen Brown's going to be that. I mean, Jason Tatum's going to be that much better without Jalen Brown. And I think Jalen will benefit from it too, being somewhere else. And that's why I would like now. I would like a Demar Derozan with that role because you don't because he's a he's a scorer. That's what he he's he's a scorer. And so that's going Jason can stretch the floor. Kimba can stretch the floor. And so that's going to give room for DeMar DeRozan to operate in the mid-range, which is really where he wants to be. 
because you can't you gotta guard Jason everywhere. You can't really guard Demar everywhere. Well, at least you don't have to. So you're right. It's gonna make it easier for him. That, that's why I like that move. I, I would like Demar with with that situation. So I would I would trade Jason. Jalen Brown. I would have done it. I would have done it at the trade deadline. I would have tried to get Aaron Gordon. That's what I was bang, banging the table for because that would have solved their interior presence. That would solve some of their defense and who knows what else they could have got out of them. They probably could have got something else too. But at minimum, they could have got Aaron Gordon. You know another guy Boston should seriously consider that I think by me saying it out loud, someone will think I'm like kind of joking. Who? I think if Boston got like a Tim Hardaway Jr., that would be a seamless fit for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's like the perfect. If you're gonna keep Jalen Brown, he's the perfect third option. Doesn't need the ball. Gonna hit your shots when you need to. Has played in two really tough playoff series back to back years, and you know played in New York. So he's not afraid of a big market and has really come into his own since, you know, leaving the Knicks, coming back, leaving again. So it's Tim Hardaway Jr. to Boston. I think he would give them. Now, he's not really the kind of defender that they would need, but he does solve, you know, perimeter shooting from a guard position. So I think if they were able to find a way to bring him in, that would help them a lot, too. I just know they should have traded Jalen Brown. Jalen and Jalen Brown, and then you try to get you another score. You know, if he can create his own shot, great. But somebody that can get you preferably somebody that can get you a stop and get you a bucket, like a three D guy. Somebody like that. Cause you know, those, you know, those are like at a, a premium. Cause if you can guard on the perimeter, you got something. And if and, and for the love of find you a big man. Find you a big man. Somebody you ain't got to find Shaq or anything like that. But somebody that can just that at least make somebody think about going twice in the paint. You know what I'm saying? At least find you somebody that's that's going to be respectable down there. That, that's what I think should happen with this Boston team. You trade Jalen Brown, you get you a big man, and you try to find you a, a score. If you don't get one back from that Jalen Brown trade. Yeah, and you bring up acquiring a big man I think for Boston the best thing they can do especially after the Al Horford experiment that obviously didn't end the way any of them wanted it to you see a couple teams left in the playoffs the Atlanta Hawks and the Phoenix Suns who have traditional centers of yesteryear DeAndre Ayton and Clint Capella just dominant in the low paint that you know block shots get rebounds don't need the ball at all great in pick-and-roll situations, and when they have a great point guard and shooters behind them, their team excels, and both of those teams are still in the playoffs and making a lot of noise. So they, Boston should go towards, like, a more traditional center than, you know, this new-school Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic type guy. A big man is going to always t- take value. That That's because, number one, you can't teach height. So if you got a, a big man, like that's why if you see no, no matter what's going on in the draft, big men are always going to go high. Whether you take a DeAndre Aiden or James Wiseman, 
Carl Anthony Towns, Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Jackson, you know, Zion to a lesser degree, although he, you know, he's kind of a small, but you know, still in the paint. Because you know, points in the paint are so valuable, so important. Rebounding, so valuable, so important. Rim protection, so valuable, so important. And a good big man can get you that, usually at a high level. So that, those that, a big man. I don't care. Everybody talking about you know threes, big man's obsolete. All that big. No, a big guy is always going to be valuable. Like Even Joel and B. Like it or not, Clint Capella the past three seasons has been you know the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. And look right. at the type of teams he's played on. He's played on Atlanta the past couple of years with a ton of shooters. And he played on, you know, the James Harden Rockets team that they are just shooting threes all the time. So if you can get guys that excel at three and, you know, make a lot of noise from that part of the floor and you get extra possessions and he doesn't need to score and is fine with that, it's it's a perfect fit for them. So... You're basically saying, you know, so, you know, as you said that, you know who I saw in a Boston jersey. I don't know his contract off the top of my head. I'd have to look. I'm definitely going to look here in a minute. But uh, Montrez Harrell in, in Boston, how would you feel about that? I Okay. Montrez Harrell, to me, seems like a better version of Dre Crowder, who, <laughs> who Boston used to have. And... Jay Crowder, wherever he goes, they win. Just the fact, look at, you know, the Heat last year, the Celtics, now the Suns. But Montrezl Harrell has one year left, and I think it's like $15 million. It didn't do anything we expected him to do this season. But, but like... I think some of that's on the Lakers, too. So well, I think yeah. some of that's on the Lakers. I've I've said before, like uh, LeBron teams always seem to have like these mid-season struggles, and then COVID cut it off last year, and then this year was just weird. So like their big problem with like his coach and whatnot didn't happen till the playoffs when you know Harold never played and Marcus Gasol forgot how to play center in basketball in general. Marcus Gasol got old. That's what happened. Which is like okay, that's a, that's a good point too. If you had Toronto Marcus Gasol on this Boston, actually. No, I don't. I don't want Toronto Marcus. All I want current Jonas Valanciunas. That's another guy, perfect for this Boston team. I think Memphis ain't letting go of him. But th- that's what I'm saying. It's it's crazy. We're saying that old school centers are obsolete, but the teams that have them don't oh, want we, them go. We're not saying that. The, the, the national me- narrative says I, that. But like going off of trends of the past, it, it's an uh, it's a going away position. It's like the bunt and stolen bases in baseball. It's just. They few and far between. You know why? Because it's not cool. It's it's it's, it's not cool. You know what I mean? Because they don't sit well outside of maybe like two or three of them. They don't really shoot threes. You know they back to the basket. You know what I mean? it's kind of a boring style of basketball. It's I, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm here for the big man. I'm I'm here for it. So I I, I agree with you because you just rebound is never gonna go out of style. Blocking shots never gonna go out of style. Points in the paint never gonna go out of style. And matter of fact, if you look at the all-time leading scores, it's not an accident that more often the most of them are, are big men or points outside of Kobe and LeBron. But look at the number one and two: Kareem, Kareem, big man, Carl Malone, big man. You see what I mean? That's you getting those points in the paint at a premium. It's so important. 
Even Jordan and Kobe, you know, they got their points in the paint. You know, LeBron, look what he did his early career, most of his career, you know, taking that thing to the hole in the paint. Now, I know Kobe and, and LeBron, obviously, they're not post players. But, you know what I mean, they got their points in the paint. And big men do that usually better than most because of, you know, the size. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and now hearing all of this, and we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, big men that used to be Boston's going to wind up signing like PJ Tucker and then be like, this is what you guys wanted, right? No, then, that ain't what we wanted. <laughs> no, that's not what we want, but that's what's going to happen. I feel like that, that, ain't, that ain't what we wanted. Oh, let's get a big man. No, you try to trade for look aggressive wins. And well, in life, you know, you aggressively get, get after that. That's typically a good, good thing to do. Go for it. But, you you got to go for it. They, like I said, they should have got Aaron Gordon. That was I think that was on a platform. But you know they still drinking that Jalen Brown Tatum Kool Aid, so it's you know it's fine. But they do need a big man, and they need another type of score. I mean, you know? Enos Enos Kanter really liked Boston, and they need a big man. So yeah, so. A team that does have a big man seem like they all have it figured out. They got they got the point guard, they got a, a two guard, they got scoring, they got what we like to call cohesion. Let me ask you this: How good are the Phoenix Suns? Glad you asked. Okay, so like, how do I put it? So, to me, it feels like the Phoenix Suns are like that girl that you talk to and, like, you think is really cool. And then, you know, you bring her around your friends and then, like, your small circle of friends think she's really cool. And then she breaks off a little bit from that group and the whole world thinks, like, oh, wow, she's, like, the best. That's what I feel like is happening with the Phoenix Suns. A a couple people bought in early. Monty Williams is great. Chris Paul, everywhere he goes, you know, wins. That I don't want to regurgitate that down everybody's, like, ear hole because it's all we've been hearing for months now but it's true so i guess that's why it keeps getting brought up but they're not like too popular they're not like the cult indie team everybody's like oh yeah of course they would beat the lakers but you know not everybody thought that a lot of people were like i'd be shocked if they won i guess it makes sense because you know they're kind of this upstart two seed and a lot of them have never been in the playoffs but devin booker is as good a score as we've seen in the past five years. Jay Crowder, I said before, everywhere he goes wins. They just get production from everybody. Similarly to the New York Knicks, but, you know, just in the desert. And everyone wants to win there. And it's working out. And that's why I think they have a date with the Western Conference Finals in their future. Did you just, with a straight face, compare the Suns? And the Knicks, they're they're okay. So they're built. I don't want to say similarly, but they get the most out of their players. They exceeded. Hell expectations. yeah, they're gonna get premium. They got Chris Paul and Devin Book and DeAndre Aiden, Jay Crowder. Hell yeah, they gonna get at a premium. Do you know what I would do just for one of these guys? One. Do you know? Do you know what I would? Love you. Do you think I enjoy looking at Reggie Bullock 
and Alec Burke. Don't you think I would but, love like, to see? They fill their role so well. Like Alec Burks didn't play, you know, a good chunk of the season, but when he did, he was great. Same with Reggie Bullock. He just, you know, shot threes, made a bunch of them, played, you know, above average defense, which is what you want. And they did their role, but Phoenix just does it a little bit better, and we might know their names a little bit more. I'd say there's a reason we know their names a little bit more, and there's a reason why. I mean, the Knicks had a great year. They had a great year, but it, it, no, you saw what happened when we played the Phoenix Suns. You saw it. Well, the first game was kind of close. But that, that second time, short work of us. Do you do you know the drop off between Chris Paul and Alfred Payton? Do you oh, know? Yeah, I don't like Alfred Payton. Seven million dollars was too much for him, but that's seven dollars you know, was too much for Alfred Payton. Let alone, you know, that's you know, that's like getting a sandwich from like a gas station versus like you know the best deli in you know your not too far radius. You know, it's the difference between a ham sandwich at your house and Jersey Mike's. So it's the biggest. And it's interesting you brought up. I've never heard somebody say like Jersey Mike's is their first choice. It's just an interesting. Really? Yeah. I I mean. For a sub sandwich, Jersey Mike's is where it's at. I mean, I've never been there. You know, I'm an unapologetically, you know, uh, Subway Homer. But I've gotten the same sandwich there since I was like a kid. <laughs> I so. understand. I understand. I but I'm with you on the Suns. I was with well, except for them being the Knicks. Because I mean, if we if we just had half the talent, we'd still be in the playoffs. But anyway, here's my thing with the Suns. I think the Suns are a, a fun team and a good team. I just don't look at them as a championship team because. The Lakers, we all had our doubts about the Lakers. Well, most of us had our doubts about the Lakers all season. Can AD stay healthy? We know about LeBron. Braun going to do goat-like things, so we got that. But the rest of the Cosby kids, ultimately, we didn't know because they had looked suspect all season. So they really all the Suns did was just expose the Lakers for what they really was. Overhyped. And now, everybody in the West now, regardless of how you feel about them, you know, they're about right there where we thought they are. You know, a lot of people like Denver a lot. They're right there where we thought they are. People starting to drink some of that Utah Kool-Aid a lot. They're right there where we think they are. The Clippers, they're still right there. There's really no fools. Go- All these other teams got full, solid rosters. Now, I'm not sold on – I guess I got them going to the Western Finals. So that, that's because I'm just not really a, a Denver believer. But I don't think they can beat the Clippers. Because in my hierarchy, I had the top three teams, I had the Clippers number one, and then I had the I had the Lakers number two. So after all that, I still had the Lakers number two. And uh then I had the Suns number number three. I mean so that, Phoenix been proving people wrong all year. Same with Utah. So that's why Western Conference final between those two teams is gonna be appointment television. Yeah. So I mean, so I I got I got the Suns in the Western Finals with the Clippers. That that's where I got them. So do you think they're going to end up beating Denver? 
I think they beat Denver, but then I think they lose to Utah. Oh, so you don't think – so who do you got for the Clippers-Utah series? Utah. Huh. Interesting. I got the Clippers. See, th- this is nice being, you know, uh, so graciously invited to be a guest because on my program, I like to, you know, be the John Stockton, if you will. I like to, you know, give out the questions and then, you know, responses. I never – really get to speak my two cents the clippers are just such a like stupidly constructed team and i don't get why everybody still believes in them like they've given nobody any like reason to still have hope wow they won one home playoff game already you know it they dallas can take them to the brink of extinction back-to-back years they're not better than any team that's left, and they just they are... better than everybody that's left. No, yeah, I, no, yeah. They're just they're they're not. Brooklyn's better. I'd take Milwaukee. Bro- over Brooklyn, the okay, you you got me on Brooklyn. You, you got me. You, you got me. But in the West, Utah is Utah sneakily is one of the best constructed teams we could have ever seen. In terms of okay, now I I yeah. I picture your face when I say say that. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm glad so I got, got that you got visual. Expl- you got some explaining to do. <laughs> like Donovan Mitchell, you know, cream of the crop. Rudy Gobert, cream of the crop. Be- one of the best centers, I think, the best defender in all of sports. What? See, I talked about this with Deontay. He agreed. Or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Sorry, Deontay. He said Aaron Donald was better. And then I was like, oh, why? Because he trains with knives. And then I profusely apologized to Aaron Donald in case he was listening. But I would still take Rudy Gobert if, like, you had to defend the world. Absolutely. If I'm def- if I- if I'm taking a defender to- for-, for-, for my life, I, I want Ben Simmons. For- why? For so life. he can, like, because he can take down a kangaroo? So he can sit in a chair and put you in his back pocket for 48 minutes. That's yeah, why I won't be. Yeah, but like Rudy Gobert is so much more satisfying because it's like, oh boy, I'm really going to get. Nope, nope, he blocked my layup. And it's just like constant. And like people still try it. He's just impenetrable. Rudy Gobert, because he's sitting right there up under the goal. If he plays a stretch five, he is in trouble. And that's why I don't think – that's why I think he's going to be null and void for the series because, yeah, if he was, you know, taking it to the rim, so he'd have a hard time against, you know, he do, he would look good against like a Zion or a R.J. Barrett or a DeRozan since he's getting a lot of love today. You know, somebody like that, a Zion. I don't know if I – I feel like I said Zion. Somebody like that, he's going to have trouble. But the Clippers take a lot of jump shots. They do a lot of stuff mid-range, threes. A lot of stuff like that. They like to try to pick you up off the drill, but they really don't use a big man like that. Not rip, not for post play. So that points in the they don't do points in the paint. They do more mid range. Yeah, but Kawhi Kawhi loves to drive to the basket as much as any small forward. Paul George likes to play in the paint. So they, they get shots at the paint. But if they at the if you see Rudy there. Okay, well, cool. He's either gonna come out and get me, or we're gonna get these shots. 
But now, Utah, Utah's I, pretty Kawhi, sound defensively. I would jump all over Max Kleber too. You dog all right. I'm uh, with with them big giant, you know, tennis racket hands out there, and I'm six seven, whatever he is. I'm all muscle. You know, I'm built like a little storage garage. Hell yeah, I'm testing Max Kleber and Chris Dapsprazink. Hey, now Bobo, I, I, you know, that's a balanced breakfast over there. But everybody else, yes, I will put you on Sports Center at night with Scott Van Pelt. You damn right. But if I'm going Rudy, that's that's something a little different. But you know what? He can see he can put that mid range on you. And same thing, apologize. By the way, they are the number one three point shooting team in the league, or at least at least left. So I don't think they're gonna have to take it to the rim because they do got mid range shooters and, and three point shooters. And Rudy hit for all his rim protection, it it goes away. And they don't have anybody that can guard Kawhi. Not well. And Donovan Mitchell, he's a nice player. He's a good, you know, he's he's solid, but he's 6'3". Paul George is 6'6". Six, six, so that's three inches, and he, he's just bigger. It's just harder to guard somebody that's, that's bigger than you are. You see what I'm saying? And now they don't have to deal with Luka, and Luka's a tough matchup because how you guard him you know, he's a playmaker, so he makes life easier for everybody else at a high level. And he's 6'7". So it's hard to guard that. But guarding Luka and guarding Donnie is two totally different ways to guard. Because you got to look out for everybody. You got to play passing lanes along with, with uh, you know, the player with Luka. But if you just sitting there with Donovan Mitchell, a smaller, now he is a little quicker and a little more athletic, but Paul George is built for that. So I like the matchup. I think the matchup is just going to be easier to deal with. Utah, though, is a much better team than Dallas, and unlike they Dallas are. has, yes. I mean, two – I, I count Gobert as a legitimate scorer because nobody's gonna, you know, really hinder him too much in the paint. So I consider him, you know, a good scoring presence for them. Utah is one of the better three point shooting teams in the league, and the home court presence that they have in Utah is the best. Not, you know, in terms of noise, but they were. I think well, or well, I know they were one of the best home teams in the league, and with home court advantage. And I mean, I I like Utah. You did a a good job trying to sway me, but I would still say Utah in six. I got we we on the opposite side of the fence. I got a. Uh... I got I don't know why I said Portland. I'm tripping. You know I got I got the Clippers in six. And I, I got the I got the Clippers in six over the Suns. And then I got Brooklyn in five. <laughs> I mean, I like I planted the seed last Ty Lu is that good of a coach. I just don't he he won, you know, his first time around. Good job. And then Made it back a couple times. Made it back with less talent than a lot of other coaches. Yeah. But you still have LeBron. 
then you don't have LeBron, and you get fired after, like, what, 15 games when it was just Kevin Love? And then you take a year off, you become an assistant, and then you take over for the scapegoat. And then the same, if if the Clippers would have lost the, the against Dallas, they would have just blown it up. And it, it's unfortunate because Ty Lue would get the short end of the situation because without Kawhi and Paul George, this isn't, like, a very good team. And it just would have it would have been the Clippers two seasons ago before they got you know Kawhi and PG. Yeah, but I mean stars matter. You know they 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 have them. I mean that'd be like, I mean that almost be like saying, well shoot, you know Brooklyn wouldn't be so good if they didn't have KD or Kyrie. I you think know? I think Brooklyn's better without their three than the Clippers are without their two. Because, okay, when – now, both teams are very different the last time that they didn't have any of their superstars. Brooklyn made it into the playoffs, and the Clippers, if they didn't go all in for Paul George, would have – if, like, do you think the Clippers now would – now, Kawhi said he wouldn't go without Paul George, but say they got Kawhi somehow, they would still have, you know, Shea, Lou Dort, all those first round picks, they would have been way better set for the future without Paul George. And Paul George hasn't, now it's only been a year and this is his second time in the playoffs with them. But Paul George doesn't add anything to this team that a normal player would, if you get what I'm saying. Paul George adds star power. So Lou Dort, Shea, and you know, you know how X is about Shea. But you know he's he's a nice player, but he's he's you know it's different. It's levels to it. It's just between nice players and star players. You know star you know stars come at a premium. You know what I'm saying. And matter of fact, Cooper said this on your podcast. You know, you know it, NBA it NBA is a lot like you know Mario Party. You know whoever wins the most stars win the game. Wasn't that Cooper that said that? Yeah, it's still an incredible quote. It was an incredible quote. So, you know, you need stars. You're not really winning with – I mean, how you would feel better with a Paul George than you would a Lou Dort or a Shea. And, again, they're nice players. I'm not hating on either one. But not none of them are Paul George. Offensively, and I would make a case defensively too. I think I think Paul George, he, I think it's kind of – he gets a little oversold on the defensive end. They try to make him out, you know, like he's like a Tony Allen when he's – you know, it's really close to, you know, just kind of middle of the pack, which is fine. Ain't nothing wrong with it. You know, I mean, you don't got to be Scottie Pippen. But nevertheless, Paul George, is, I mean, he's a nice player. He's a really good player. And he's like a, at least a co-star, a solid co-star. If you got Paul George on your team, you're saying, okay, I got a good backup guy. And especially I got him with Kawhi. I would feel really good about that. I would feel really good about that. You're going to be more comfortable with it. And as a result, it gives your main guy a little more confidence. All right, cool. I got somebody that I can depend on, you know, somebody that's been in the playoffs, battle-tested, a veteran, you know what I mean? And we cool too. So let's let's make this work. Whereas a Shea, you know, he's young. These are young players, so we don't know what they're going to do. You know, you really win with older guys. Like, if you you – and look at regardless of who you got winning the championship, just look at throughout history. They're usually older guys 
a lot of teams ain't the championship teams ain't really winning with like you know no 22 21 year old players like you know look at the lebron teams that team i think it was like the oldest team in the league last year you know the warriors they were all like in eight well most of them you know the core was like in their 30s you know look at brooklyn now 30s you know the Suns outside of devin Booker, and well they're kind of young so all right there you go but you know the clippers they're older you see what i'm saying so I think these older teams are the, the one that really gets it done. I think that's why if you look at LeBron, he realizes that. And a lot of times he gets the younger guys moved out. Whether when he went back to Cleveland, you know, he got Andrew Wiggins up out of there and he got a, a Kevin Love. Or when he went to L.A., you know, he pretty much – they pretty much moved everything except the logo and Jeannie Buss for Anthony Davis. Yeah, but you they kept Kuzma. That... Yeah, because they had just... to have Kuzma decision that shoots him in the foot every single day i never understood why they had to have him so bad it, it but, it's crazy ingram was drafted like second overall and kuzma was a fourth year late first rounder but they were like nope this is the guy that we want not the one compared to kevin durant i i don't i don't get that either i'll never get that i'll, I'll never understand that and you can't make me understand that but, and i i really feel like if i'm the pelicans which i think they're Built all. I get Zion's the more popular one, but Brandon Ingram's their best guy. That that's their best guy. You know what I mean? But that's a whole other thing. But shoot, man, this has been a good show. It's I appreciate you. Go ahead and plug that wavelength podcast again, Steph. Go and plug it because it's it's hot. Yes, it is. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, wavelengths, yeah. So every Tuesday, we just you know, four of us talk about whatever's topical. In the very big world of sports. Yep. Uh, we've had some great guests uh, today. We had Drew Stoltz. We got Bill Pito on Wednesday. We've talked to Eric Hubs of Barstool, Dean Thomas, UFC fame, ESPN commentator for all their pay per views. It is a very, very fun ride. Wayne Diesel has been a guest on the program. It is, you know, just a lot of fun. It's good getting your thoughts out there. It's a very therapeutic thing for me, especially, you know, first time the Knicks were in the playoffs since I was 13 years old. So, you know, seeing them now as an adult break my heart. It's good to know that, you know, I had a heart to be broken. So that's helped a lot with it. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, sure to check it out. Absolutely. Stefan, thanks for, for ha- having having me on. <laughs> you know, thanks for being a guest, man. And we definitely got to get you on down the road because on your podcast, I feel like it's, you know, you you pretty much give setting the table. And I'm like, man, let, you know what? He got some good takes too. Let's let's go. On, let's let's let him hear what he got to say. I I appreciate the kind words as always, Mister Diesel. It's always a pleasure when we cross paths. Absolutely, man. I'll see you down the road. All right, y'all. We out.